It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 23rd, 2019. My name is Philip Rosenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors about yeah, uh, recapping Game 4 once again and looking ahead to Game 5 and and sort of taking stock of the series at the quote-unquote turn of the series as we head toward what is hopefully the final three games of the of this uh, first-round series. But uh, realistically, it could be the last game. This could be our last game preview show of the season. Tomorrow could be our last game recap of the season. Uh, we don't know, um, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about Game 5 coming up before we talk with Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you are looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, you're listening to it right now. There's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail you can find here on Locked On Magic. Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors does a great job covering the Toronto Raptors. Definitely give him a listen. You'll hear from him in just a moment here on the show. But you can also check out great podcasts like Locked On NBA to get the national perspective, as well as Locked On Fantasy Basketball to get your fantasy fix as daily fantasy is obviously still going on. Want to get ready for the NFL Draft? The Locked On NFL Draft has you covered heading into Thursday's first round of the NFL Draft. And of course, Locked On NFL has the NFL cover too. There's actually Locked On NFL podcasts as well covering the individual teams if you want to leg up there. Locked On Jaguars, Locked On Buccaneers, Locked On Dolphins, I'm sure is of special interest. There's also Locked On MLB podcast, as well as Colleges too. You can find them all on iTunes just by searching for Locked On and the team you're looking for, or check them out on the Himalaya app. It's a great app that uh, that uh, uh, kind of aggregates podcasts for you, gives you suggestions, you can create playlists, you can find all your favorite podcasts on there too, including the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network, remember, it is your team every day. 
Well, we have made it here. This do or die moment. This part of the season that everyone dreads. The reality that finality is here. I won't lie. I won't um, kind of beat around the bush here. Orlando is down 3-1 in the series and face an incredibly tall order. Losing both games at home, losing three straight in this series. Orlando has struggled. Really, really struggled. They've had difficulty creating offense. In fact, they have the second worst offensive rating in the entire playoff, sandwiched between the now-eliminated Indiana Pacers and Detroit Pistons. The Pistons actually climbed ahead of Orlando with their Game 4 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. And with that poor offense, offensive rating, including an astronomically high 16% turnover rate, which is extremely high for a team that finished 8th in the league in turnover rate, the Magic are going to have to buck a lot of trends that have popped up in this series, that have continued to plague them throughout this series against a very good Raptors team. The offense has struggled. The team has struggled overall. And I won't lie, the end of Game 4, both what we were seeing from the Magic on the court, as, as honestly as well as something of the vibe in the locker room was, and I might be unfair here, but I will, I'll, I'll say it anyway, was unfortunately one of defeat. A 3-1 deficit is extremely hard to make up. It's only been done maybe a handful of times, and yes, I do recognize the Magic were one of the teams that blew a 3-1 deficit. But when you look at the way this series has played out, you can see just how difficult it can be. Orlando, in order to win this game, is going to have to do some very specific things that they've struggled with throughout the series. I could go through a million adjustments, but honestly, when your back is against the wall like it is now, it's the simple things that you've got to do. It's not about the fancy adjustments. It's about the simple things and just playing a really good game for lack of a better way of phrasing it. The Magic have to make shots. In their Game 1 win, they made 42, 43, 44% of their three-pointers. I think it was actually closer to 48. They made nearly half of their three-pointers in Game 1. They haven't shot better than 35% from beyond the arc the rest of the series, and that's even with some good looks. Game 3, certainly they had a ton of good looks that they just missed. They have to move the ball and avoid turnovers. It's troubling to see the Magic turning the ball over so much. And all credit should go to the Toronto Raptors. They have pressured, they have harassed, they have gotten into the Magic physically in a way that the Magic did not seem prepared for. And Orlando has paid the price for it. As Steve Clifford said after Game 4, the big surprise and disappointment of the series is that Orlando has struggled to complete passes crisply. They're not getting the ball into shooters' pockets. They're fumbling the ball a little bit on the catch. And even Evan Fournier has said after, after I think after Game 4, one of the reasons they're missing shots is they're rushing everything. Toronto has gotten the magic in a hurry. Now, in the moments, and there have been few that Orlando's played under composure and played with the pass, 
they've looked okay. They've looked fine offensively. Think about the start of game four. And honestly, and I I, I, I still believe this too, Orlando's defense really hasn't been that bad. Game four was by far the worst the Magic have played defensively in the series. But their defense has given them a chance to win these games. And so to me, all the focus for the Orlando Magic is on the offensive side of the ball. They've got to score. they got to pass the ball. they got to limit turnovers. And it's really that simple. But in this do-or-die, in this win-or-go-home scenario, it's also about the fight. Steve Clifford has lauded his team throughout this series for their effort and energy throughout. And I think he's right. The Magic are playing extremely hard. They're not losing for a lack of effort. I think maybe the end of Game 4, you could claim that. Aaron Gordon did a really good job trying to keep them in it uh, throughout, the, throughout the, the third quarter of that game especially. But every time Kawhi had an answer and it just broke their spirit. And you could feel the Magic spirit breaking and you could feel, you know, honestly, in that locker room how disappointed they were that they weren't able to deliver a win for this, for this Magic crowd that, that showed up for them. But... Now the back, their backs are truly against the wall. They've been a resilient team all year. I, I, I am, I am loath to doubt them. I've doubted them plenty. I've, I've, I've raised questions. I, I tend to do that. I tend to play devil's advocate a lot. And I've kind of learned not to doubt this team. They are resilient. They will fight. But for the first time all season, you can see the finish line. You can see that bright white light at the end of the tunnel for the season. And Steve Clifford's 100% right what he said after game four. One of two things are going to happen. The Magic are going to fight and play hard, then fall down 10 and maybe get blown out. That's what happened to Detroit against Milwaukee. They're in that game into the third quarter. Then Milwaukee put a run in them at the end of the third, and that was it. 30-point game. 25-point game. Or the Magic are going to fight until the end. And honestly, on the road against this Raptors team, I don't see the Magic blowing them out. I don't see the Magic winning comfortably. It would would take a heck of a shooting performance to do that. And frankly, even when the Magic have been good offensively in this series, it's been very, very brief and it's taken a lot of work to get there. Work that the Magic, I think, are willing to put in but willing to put in possession after possession after possession. Let me put it this way. If the Magic win this game or any game this series, it's going to come down to the last few possessions. It's going to come down to the wire, just like Game 1 did, just like Game 3 did. But Orlando has to fight. And I have no doubt this team will fight. I don't think that they'll suffer a major blowout. I don't see that in this team. This team is going to go down swinging. They're going to give it everything they have. And if they can somehow come out with a win, they're going to take that opportunity and play game six the same way. It's a tall task to be sure. As well as I think Aaron Gordon has played defensively, Kawhi Leonard's been better. Steve Clifford's rotation with Jonathan Isaac has been frustrating to say the least, I would say. 
But Orlando's going to need their, their their young guy to step up, both defensively and offensively. They're going to need Nikola Vucevic to have his best game of the series. They're going to need Evan Fournay to hit shots. They're going to need everyone to play their best game of this series to win this Game 5. But all you need to do is give this Magic team a chance. All you need to do is doubt is doubt them one more time and they'll prove you wrong. We'll recap the season after it's over. But suffice it, suffice it to say, there is a lot to be proud of with the way this team has played this year. And, and this may not be the end. I, I, I can't count this Magic team out. It is a testament to everything that they've done this season that I cannot count them out. But if they win Game 5, if they're able to force a Game 6 back in Orlando on Thursday night, I will count that as one of the truly most impressive things this team has done. And I do not put it past them to do it. Even if it's going to be one of the most difficult things that they have faced all year long. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get a different perspective now on this series as we turn things over to Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors to get his perspective on the series so far, what we can expect in Game 5 and perhaps moving forward, and what this series has been like from the Raptors' perspective and, and his impressions of the Magic so far. Hey, it's Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors here with Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic to chat about not just Game 4 of the Raptors Magic series, but the whole darn thing. Uh, it's We're four games in now. The Raptors lead 3-1. to one. The Raptors won Game 4, 107-85. And uh, Philip, man, how, how you feeling? How's the series been treating you? Have you enjoyed what, what you've seen? Has it been a, a nice, like... Um, I know the Magic are down 3-1, but has it been like an encouraging showing at least from the Magic against a team that they were pretty heavy underdogs against? I mean, in, in, so, uh, in some ways it's been encouraging. In other ways, it's it's been revealing. Um, you know, I think the first thing I'd like to say is uh, having playoff basketball back in Orlando, even though the Magic didn't win either of the home games, was, was really refreshing. Um, uh, Orlando fan, honestly, I would say... Fans in Orlando haven't been this excited about a Magic team and about uh, any Magic game, in my opinion, probably since the 2010 Eastern Conference Finals. Um, there's been a lot of energy in the city and a lot of people behind the team. And, and there's legitimately, I mean, even though the Raptors are a very, 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 very good team, um, there's legitimately disappointment um, both from the players and the fans that they that they couldn't get one of these games at home. Um, but overall, um, I have been just... Astounded with with how di- I mean, and, and you forget this because because Magic been out of the playoffs for so long. Just how different playoff basketball is, and and I, I tell everyone this all the time: the playoffs reveal all your weaknesses because um, teams can attack them. And, and I think the Magic are understanding and seeing 
where the shortcomings in their roster are in this series, and, and it's been tough for them to overcome them. Even though I think they've they fought really hard, they just they just don't have enough to, to beat this Raptors team. Yeah, it's uh, for me the startling thing has been watching this series, and as a Raptors fan, like having comfort that they have enough to like not make it a struggle in every single game. I mean, this was the problem with Raptors teams of the past, right? Is they would be favorites and then they would screw around and go to six or seven because they just didn't quite have a gear that they were searching for to sort of be able to put teams away, or they just like weren't talented enough to be able to do that and to be able to. Um, sort of control a series and not make it a, a very difficult affair. And this year, it, it feels very different. I know game one, people were panicking, and uh, you know, I guess rightfully so, considering the, the history of Raptors, like the Raptors in the playoffs. But I, I never really felt that panic. I kind of, I think I predicted the next day on the podcast that they were going to win in five, and they're one game away from doing that. Um, I just it's it's just so different being able to watch Kawhi Leonard in particular and just know like oh yeah that dude is like no matter the defensive attention that is thrown at him he's still gonna find a way to put up to put up thirty unless he's like dealing with the flu on like he was on uh, on Friday night for for Game Three but uh, like watching him in Game uh, Four it was just so so comforting and like makes you feel so cozy inside because it's like oh this is a different dude this is a guy that we haven't had in these parts quite literally ever. And it's uh, that's been the thing that I've taken away from this series more than anything else. It's like, oh yeah, this is they've proven that they're different and whatever the next matchup is, assuming they get through this series, uh, you know, whatever the next matchup is, like I feel like the Raptors are going to go in pretty confident that they are different and that, that what they're doing is like is something that can sustain against the very best competition. So that, that's been my takeaway so far. Um, to hone in on game four quickly, just so we can kind of go over what happened and sort of break that one down a little bit before getting back into the bigger picture stuff. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from game four? Like what, what was the reason the Raptors were able to pull it out to win by 22? Was it simple as just, it was Kawhi Leonard and nothing else? Uh, you know, I, I think the Kawhi factor was, was a big one. Um, I, I don't think you can get around, around it. Um, Orlando, I mean, I, I feel like as this series has developed, uh, Orlando has, has decided that, and I think they're, they're always deciding that that they that they wanted guys like Danny Green and 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 Marcus Saul. They wanted those guys to be the ones to beat them, and they've mm. thrown especially Game Three and Game Four. They've thrown at least three defenders at Kawhi Leonard every time he's involved in a pick and roll. Um, there, mm-hmm. I've never seen Nikola Vucevic hedge and blitz a screen before, and he mm. was doing that in both Games Three and Four, and it did not matter. Uh, and, and Kawhi Leonard getting past that first wave of defense. And, and Orlando, I mean, I would even say Game 4 was the Magic's worst defensive game of the series. Orlando's played mm-hmm. okay defensively, I think. At least in the half court, they've played okay. It's, it, it, I, I, would argue, I would argue that in half court situations, they've at least broken, the t- you know, broken even for the most part. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what's kind of given them a, a chance, in my opinion. But, um, but Kawhi just blew that all up. Um, and and he was able to get whatever he wanted. Um, the other part of that is is Pascal Siakam's won won his individual matchup. Um, getting Jonathan Isaac in foul trouble uh, in the in game four was was humongous for Toronto. Uh, and then Aaron Gordon picking up his third foul late in the second quarter was was really when Toronto blew that one open. Uh, the fact of the matter is the Magic just have such little margin for error against this team um, because they just have few kind of elite defenders and and I, I not that Isaac and Gordon are elite defenders yet but 
they're young enough, they could become elite defenders very, very soon. And, you know, I think Gordon's done a, 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 as good a job as he can on Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi's just on another level, and, and there's just not a lot the Magic can do to, to slow him down. And, you know, him just going off the way he did, just, just tore him up. And then Orlando just, they've looked a little timid on offense. I mean, they had that nice burst at the beginning of the game, but the turnovers have just become too much. They've just struggled to execute their offense in, in any way throughout this entire series, uh, really since the second half of game one. And, and, that's, and that's really, I think, why the Raptors are, are, are looking like they're going to win this, this series running away. Yeah, the Raptors' defense has been absurd. Uh, it, it is. Where did I mean, this Marcus Gasol argue- come from? I didn't. I haven't seen this Marcus Gasol in like two or three years. Like that's <laughs> that's been the difference in the series to me. Is Gasol just disrupts everything? Yeah, he's been amazing. Uh, just like blowing up pick and rolls. His hands are just so good, and it's kind of contagious. It seems like the entire team. Every single time a Magic player drives into the paint, there's just like three or four hands trying to poke it free. And maybe they've picked up some extra foul calls along the way because of that. And, you know, they're playing a very aggressive style. But I think the way this Magic team plays, the way that they don't turn the ball over, the way that, um, you know, they like to slow things down, it's it makes it harder for the Raptors to kind of get into a game that they like to play, which is up and down. And, you know, if you're going to try to be aggressive to force more steals, I think that's a good way to sort of flip the balance there. I think they've done a really good job of that, and Marcus Gasol has been so essential in doing that. And, I mean, Gasol on Nick Vucevic has been so, so steady, and Vuce just looks uncomfortable anytime he's backing down against Gasol or forced to shoot over him. Like, he just seems like he's totally out of his comfort zone. Have you seen that happen much with Vuce this year? Is there anyone else who's given him similar problems, or is this sort I mean, of a Vuce- new— Thing that you've seen. I mean, I, I think I think what what has a lot of Magic fans worried is is this feels like the Nikola Vucevic that we saw over the last five years, not the one we saw this year. This year he was dominant, he was confident. Uh, you know, he you know he ran what he 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 went wherever the defense allowed him to go, and he could beat you with that jump shot. He could beat you in the post. And Toronto, like you said, Toronto's made him really uncomfortable. And, and I think. One thing that we've all kind of known about Vucevic that, and, and he struggled with this specifically against Marc Gasol uh, during, dr- during like Gasol's heyday, he doesn't like being physical. I mean, he doesn't like getting bumped a lot. And I think, you know, to, to the point you made about the fouling, I think Toronto's been okay giving up those free throws just to set a physical tone in this series because Orlando doesn't have a lot of guys who are known as, as sort of tough guys. They're not a great team at getting to the foul line anyway, so... Yeah, I think that physical tone that the rap that the Raptors have set specifically with Vucevic has flustered them. Um, you could you could kind of see Orla- that that Orlando is a little hesitant to make passes. They're a little quicker with their shots to, to try and beat the defense. Um, it, it, it's been it's been really a masterclass and kind of maybe not uh, maybe not uh, psychological. It, it, you know, it, you know, getting in their heads like that, but it really feels like Orlando wasn't quite ready to, to, to face, you know, an upped physical presence, especially on the perimeter. Um, you know, frankly, what didn't feel like they were re- quite ready for how they needed to execute it at playoff time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, some numbers on what Marcus Gasol did to Vooch in Game 4. Um, and I think this has kind of been the same case across most of the series, aside from Game 3, which, um, ah, man, Game 3 felt like a missed opportunity for Orlando, I got to say. Yep. It felt like they really... Most of the things went the way that you would have wanted them to go. Kawhi having a rough night, Vooch going off, um, but they just couldn't quite, you know, work out the the math to try to you know pull out a win there. Um, but Marcus All against Vooch in Game Four, 
He guarded him on 39 possessions. The Magic scored just 41 points on those 39 possessions, so like just over a point per possession, which is actually higher than what they've had as their offensive rating so I mean, far. Vooch, in Vooch, Vooch, I mean, honestly, I thought Vooch offensively was you know not as good as he was in Game 3 where he where Gasol got into foul trouble and he got himself going in the third quarter, but hmm. Game 4 was probably Vooch's second-best offensive game. He still only ends up with 11 points. I mean, it's it's just a matter of the Magic just can't get the ball moving consistently. Yeah, for sure. He only had one assist when Gasol was guarding him as well, which I think is kind of indicative of what the Raps have done. But, you know, they sent doubles his way. And then just the shooters on the Magic aren't quite stout enough for me, for the Raptors, I think, to be scared of, you know, sending extra help Vooch's way. He also had two turnovers against Gasol as well, got blocked once, was three of eight from the field. Just uh, really, really impressive stuff from Gasol, which, yeah, I'm not sure I expected this level of Gasol's defense. You know, he was pretty good. As he sort of, you know, got himself acclimatized to being part of the, the Raptors mix down the stretch, but he never showed this kind of insane, like, you know, poking everything free and being able to just sort of guide the defense with his own direction and everything. It's just been awesome to watch. My big question, I guess, for Vooch is like, he's a free agent, obviously, and this has been the big question hanging over Magic fans all year. Do you think this series in which he struggled aside from one game is going to change how the Magic front office views Vooch going forward? Is it going to change their plans regarding him at all? I mean, if you talk to fans, it should. And and and, and I mean, I think, again, the playoffs expose your weaknesses in, in a lot of ways. And so I think some of the things we're seeing with Vooch aren't incredibly surprising, but you're able to cover them in the regular season. But I really don't think this playoff series will have any bearing on on what the Magic decide to do with Nikola Vucevic. Um, you know, as, as much as he struggled in this series, I would I would tell everyone, you look at the numbers in the regular season, the Magic aren't here without Nikola Vucevic. Uh, in fact, the Magic are probably a tanking team if they don't have Nikola Vucevic. In, and I don't think you just give that up. Now, are you going to pay, like, the max for that? Probably not. And I would say definitely not. But but I think the front office is smart enough to, to look at the big picture, to understand you know, playoff series is a very, very specific thing. It doesn't, it says something, but it doesn't say everything. Uh, and, and you can't make decisions based on four game sample sizes against the same opponent, to be, to be honest. Um, you're not going to play the Raptors every single game next year. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I do think that though they've gone into this playoffs, you know, the playoffs have been gravy. I mean, to be frank, I think, I mean, not that the Magic are playing like they're happy to be in the playoffs. But no one expected this team to make the playoffs. Um, getting this experience, getting this exposure, is good for a lot of the young guys. And 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 I, you know, I would honestly, I, I'm I'm probably going to write this column for Orlando Magic Daily soon. The the regular season was about the veteran players, it was about Vucevic, Augustine, and, and Fournier. This mm-hmm. playoff series has been more about Gordon and Isaac and, and what they and what they can do. And you know, they've shown a lot. They've 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 looked impressive in a lot of areas. But they've also shown that that they've got a long way to go to to be kind of the central points of this this magic offense or this magic team that they eventually want to be, and so that's going to muddy the decision decisions a little bit too. And 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 you know the Magic have some big decisions to make this summer to figure out what comes next. Yeah, I, I kind of think Vooch reminds me a little bit of like a big man DeRozan in that yeah. very good player uh, has obvious weaknesses that are going to become liabilities in the playoffs, but. He's too good to just like not have on your team because you think he might keep you from reaching the finals or whatever, right? And I think yeah. it's really important for a lot of teams just to, like it doesn't always have to be about making the finals. It's really cool to have a good team that's good for a long time. This was my whole thing with DeMar DeRozan before they went and traded for Kawhi Leonard. My whole thing was barring a trade for someone as good as Kawhi Leonard, which isn't going to happen. Of course it ended up happening, but 
you know, my whole thing was barring a trade like that where you can actually get a tangible improvement that's going to change your ceiling. There's no need to move on. Just like have a good team. You don't have to tank because you're the fourth best team in the conference and you have a guy who is maybe a liability when it comes to the most important times. Like, stay good. Win a bunch of games. Get yourself in a position to strike if things go weird in an Eastern Conference. Get yourself in a position to strike if you, you know, have a chance to make a deal and you can turn it to Rosen into a Kawhi Leonard, right? And so I would say, yeah, this has been a disappointing series for Vooch. I think it's kind of an extreme circumstance. Like you said, it's a, it's a one-series sample. And one bad defensive matchup can kind of change everything. And, and Marc Gasol has been very much that for the Magic in this series. And so I just kind of think you got to ride it out. If you can get Vooch back for something reasonable, it's not you know, a crazy five-year max or whatever, I think you got to do it. And, yeah. this, you know, the Raptors were, were you know, they, they reaped the benefits of this too, right? They could have let DeRozan walk after the 2016-17 season or 2015-16 season. They could have let that happen, but they brought him back and they had him for two more years and then they ended up moving him and, you know, it was great. And, and everyone was happy except for DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> but, like... You, it's 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 okay to be pretty good, is what I would say to Magic fans who are a little bit trepidatious about keeping Vooch around. Like you could never, you could you could get rid of Vooch and not find a center that good for a very very long time. I know yeah. Mo Bamba is exciting, and and that's but and that's Vooch a, is, that's the complication. Like nobody knows what Mo Bamba is right now. I mean, uh, yeah, statistically he was one of the five worst players in the league, and, and he's a rookie, so you, you know you don't care so much about that. But the Magic season honestly turned around. When they started playing Ken Birch for Mo Bamba, um, like mm-hmm. that—that that was a, when Mo, Mo Bamba's injury was a huge turning point in the season. The team got significantly better uh, when Birch started playing, um, and, and so I think that yeah, the Magic probably played Bamba to their detriment this year, which is okay. I don't mind that, but Bamba's a, lo- a long way away from being ready to take that starting role. And uh, and I agree with you on that point. Um, you can't just give up what you have. I mean, obviously, if it costs too much, you do. But um, if you can get Vooch back on a reasonable deal, he likes it here. He, he's obviously very productive. I'd rather stay in the playoffs, keep fighting and grinding until until Gordon and Isaac are ready to take over than kind of go back to square one again. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking ahead to the rest of the series, Game 5 goes in Toronto on Tuesday night. Um, is what can the Magic do here to try to prolong this thing? I feel like the Raptors have kind of found their groove, and their starting lineup has kind of been, I mean, it's very obviously the reason why the Raptors are winning this series. They, so far in 76 minutes, are a plus 41.4 net rating, 125.2 offensive, 83.8 defensive. Uh, it's the third most used lineup in the playoffs by any team. The fourth most used lineup is the Magic starting five, Augustine Vooch, Fournier, Gordon, Isaac, and they are a minus 27 net rating in 62 minutes. Um, do you see a, a, like a lineup change coming at all here from Steve Clifford? What can the, the, the Magic do here to try to uh, at least prolong this to a sixth game? I mean, I think the biggest lineup change that the Magic need to make is is they need to... They've already, they've already matched Aaron Gordon's minutes with Kawhi Leonard. They need to match mm. Jonathan Isaac's minutes with Pascal Siakam. There, there have just been 
too many times where Evan Fournier or Terrence Ross are stuck guarding Pascal Siakam, and, and he has ate him up. Um, in, in Game 3 on Friday, Siakam was 4 for 10 against Jonathan Isaac, according to NBA.com's Second Spectrum stats. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was, what, 13 for 20? So he was 9 for 10 against everyone else. Um, Isaac, I, I wouldn't say Isaac's won his matchup with Siakam, certainly not in the way that he did during the regular season. Um, I wouldn't say that he's won that matchup, but he's at least given him some problems. And, and I think, like... The way this series has played out, the Magic are loading up on Kawhi Leonard. They're, they're throwing multiple bodies at him. That means they need to win that individual matchup with Siakam. And, and, and I think that's been, you know, they haven't won the matchup with Kawhi Leonard either. But in the two games that they've been competitive in this series, they had to find a way to slow down Siakam, uh, you know, if, if, since they're committing so much to Leonard. And, and in game one, you know, Siakam had a good game that game. But at the end of the game, they slowed him down. They were able to get stops. And, and Isaac actually finished that game. And, and honestly, that was, that was something that I thought was a mistake in Game 3 was they finished with their usual finishing lineup, which was very good during the regular season. That in this matchup, Siakam made a lot of shots down the stretch with Evan Fournier guarding him, Terrence Ross guarding him. And, and that just doesn't work. And especially with how much Fournier was struggling, I, I think he needed Isaac in that lineup. And, and I think the way Clifford's managed Jonathan Isaac this series um, has hurt the team, um, you know, Isaac is, I mean, this team is built on defense. They're going to struggle to score. They got to be able to keep the score as low as they can and trust that Isaac's going to make shots. And, you know, that's honestly the next thing is Orlando's got to make three-pointers. Game one, they shot 40%. I don't think they've shot better than 35% on threes the rest of the series. And part of that is Toronto wants Orlando to shoot threes. Um, You know, if Orlando's shooting a ton of threes, that's their strategy. But that's honestly the only way Orlando's going to compete in this game is if they can loosen up the pressure by making some three-pointers from the outside. Yeah, I also wonder if there's anything Orlando can do on offense to try to make it easier on themselves to create. Um, the Raptors have obviously been quite smothering. And, you know, DJ Augustine, you know, he hit the game-winning three in the second half of game one. But really, he's been kind of a non-factor since Danny Green took over that uh, defensive responsibility at the end of the first half uh, of game one against the Magic. And since then, Augustine's been pretty quiet and... He just doesn't seem to have the length. Like, the length of Danny Green seems to be really bothering him, and that uh, Augustine, Vooch, pick and roll combination just doesn't really seem to have that much juice right now. I, this is a problem that you run into, right, when you're the Magic and you don't have a ton of great ball handlers. And, like, man, it'd be great if Markel Fultz could be great by the time next season rolls around because I think that could kind of change a lot of things. Um, but is there a way that you think the Magic can go about sort of manufacturing some more clean looks? Is it having Evan Fournier with the ball in his hands more often? Is it like starting Terrence Ross and just having him try to go crazy? Like it just the the, the individual creation just doesn't really seem to be there right now for the Magic. Yeah, but I'm wondering I, if you think there are ways in which they can sort of mitigate that. Yeah, and I think that's been the weakness that's that's been borne out in this series. Uh, the Magic's big, I mean, a lot of Magic fans want to talk about the defense, and, and it's like they, they like picking on Vucevic for his defense, but the biggest issue in this series has been the Magic can't create on offense, and they have no one who can create off the dribble on offense now that they've taken DJ Augustine out of the game. Um, you know, you could run some more pick and rolls with Evan Fournier, but they've just been blitzing that. Um, you know, Gasol's been blitzing that screen and roll, and Fournier's made really bad decisions with the ball in those situations. I mean, he's picked up the ball a lot, <laughs> Um, you know, made kind of hesitant passes, and, and it just it hasn't worked out. I mean, something that worked a little bit in Game 3 that I'd be interested to see them trying a little bit more is maybe doing more pick-and-rolls with Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, I know mm-hmm. he's got Kawhi Leonard on him. You don't want to attack Kawhi Leonard too much. 
but um, Gordon got himself going. I mean, he was one of the few guys that were really fighting in that second half, you know, just, just doing something positive on the offensive end. Um, and so I'd be curious if they tried to put the ball in his hands a little bit more and take that gamble um, to, to just try something new. Maybe do some odd pick-and-roll combinations, maybe like a one-two pick-and-roll. I don't think we've seen a lot of that um, with, you know, mm-hmm. maybe Vucevic screening for the guy's going to eventually screen and then dive down the lane, dive down the lane as, as, as the team, as the Raptors kind of look confused at what's going on. Um, you know, I think that, I think you could try some of those odd combinations, but you know, at the end of the day, Steve Clifford's a coach that's, you know, probably a little bit too stubborn on this, but, but I don't completely blame him. He's going to go with what got him here. Um, he's going to, he's, I don't think he's going to make any drastic lineup changes. He'll probably, you know, he played his starters more in game four. You know, I would suspect that, you know, if the game is close, and I suspect that they do this in Game 4, Aaron Gordon doesn't come out of the game. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he tops 40 minutes in Game 5 if the game is close. Um, you know, Nikola mm-hmm. Vucevic will probably play a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I would hope Jonathan Isaac clears 30 minutes, but it could be another situation where Clifford's going to roll with the lineup that he trusts, and, and that's the Ross Fournier lineup instead of the Isaac Fournier lineup um, a, a little bit more. Um, you know, but other than that, you know, I think Clifford's just going to stick with what's what's gotten him this far, and and really rely on the guys that he trusts, and you know, that's probably not going to get the job done here. Yeah, I know the couple minutes of garbage time kind of skew things at the end of the game, but like Aaron Gordon leading the team with 38 minutes feels low. Um, Fournier with 35, Vooch 32 in Game Four, um, and. I wonder if maybe there's a way in which the Magic can try to milk more out of the non-starter minutes for the Raptors because those bench lineups have been vulnerable. They've been pretty good the last couple of games. Serge Ibaka and Norman Powell have kind of come around. Norm was fantastic in, yeah, uh, really in Game was. 4, uh, which is such a game changer, right? Because the Raptors' bench units have been so haphazard. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's, how, that's how they won by 20-plus points was, was Powell yeah. and Ibaka just <laughs> dominated that matchup. And Orlando, I think... Orlando's bench has been an advantage for them in this series. They've they've come back from deficits with that bench unit, but they've now slowed them mm-hmm. down too. And it's and, and so Orlando's, I think, just struggling to find offense right now. Yeah, so I wonder if maybe like Clifford can mess with his sub patterns a little bit, because if the starters are gonna lose their minutes to the Raptors starters by a ton anyway, maybe it's worth trading off a couple extra minutes of having, you know, maybe substandard dudes out there against the starters in order to get, say, Vooch and Gordon or, or Ross or whoever back in against the second unit a little bit more often and sort of try to maximize those those spots at the start of the second and fourth quarters in particular where the Raptors are bench heavy. Maybe those are, are little tweaks Clifford can make, but ultimately I'm not sure any of it's really going to matter because the Raptors starters are so good and they're just kind of pacing this series. And it seems like any time that there's a little bit of trouble for the Raps, the starters come in and everything's fine again. And that might just be the, the, the counter if Steve Clifford were to try to avoid facing off against those matchups a little bit more. Um, you know, with just one game left, they're probably going to have some rest as well coming up. No one played more than 35 minutes in, uh, or I guess Lowry played 39 minutes, which is surprising. Holy hell. Um, but, like, I feel like in a game five, if you feel like you're going to have some rest with a couple days off, um, maybe you can get away with just rolling starters out a little bit more. And Marcus only played 25 minutes in the last game. Um, you know, there's still more minutes for him to play there too, and, and Danny Green as well. So uh, I, I feel bad for the Magic because, like, this series to me has kind of 
revealed just how good and hard this Raptors team is going to be to beat in these playoffs because there are so few weaknesses to pick at. But um, the Magic have done really well. Game three was, like again, a game they probably should have taken because the Raptors had a lot of things go wrong, foul trouble, um, Kawhi not having a great game, Vooch going off, Ibaka really struggling with that Vooch matchup when he was in for Gasol, and they just couldn't pull it out. And, you know, it's it's been a closer series, I think, than I would have expected. I don't think I had that much fear about what the Raptors were going to do in this series. But the Magic have made it difficult. And the, the half-court defense has been fantastic and really, really, like, it's, it's caused hypertension a lot of time, me, me watching, because it's just like, oh, my, this is like a hard defense to pick apart. And it, it's just not easy. And so credit to the Magic for doing that. Um any parting shots here, Philip? Before we wrap, yeah, this thing I was up? gonna, I was gonna ask, I was gonna kind of ask to, to to dig into that point a little bit more. Uh, yeah. You know what? What have be, I mean? Obviously, the rap. I mean, the Raptors are title contenders. I mean, I I, I think we could say that safely, finishing with the second best record in the league. Um, but what what have been your impressions of, about the Magic as you know as a team making their playoff debut and and what they have kind of kind of cooking cooking here? Because obviously, this was a this was probably going to be a cameo appearance in the playoffs, um, and it's about getting that experience to build toward whatever they do next next year and the year beyond. Yeah, certainly a, a thing that's kind of come to my mind watching these Magic, these Magic, this Magic team, the, the damn non-pluralized names, um, but uh, <laughs> like watching the Magic, it's kind of reminded me of the 2013-14 Raptors, which... I think that was a weaker Eastern Conference, so the Raps were able to do a little bit more, and they made it to seven against the Nets in round one. And But, like, that was a really fun, exciting team, and there was a lot of reason to be excited about the future. But also you knew that if they were ever going to be more than just a first-round-and-out team or, or just sort of a darling of the East that, you know, sneaks in and doesn't do a whole lot, they were going to have to make some changes. And over the course of four or five years— they made a lot of changes, and I, I guess what I would say to Magic fans is, like, enjoy this team for what it is right now. The lack of expectations is delightful. Um, being a fan of the Raptors, like, expectations can really drag you down, and it makes every loss feel heavy, which sucks. It, it makes it harder to enjoy the 58 wins. It's such a first-world problem, but it does kind of uh, sap a lot of the fun out of the experience when there is, like, a lot of stakes at play. And it's kind of been especially amplified this season with the whole Kawhi thing for the Raps. But um, still, it, it, it does make it a little bit harder to enjoy. And so I would say enjoy what this Magic team did. You'll never forget what this Magic team did. Like making the playoffs is great. Getting that win in game one is something you'll always have. And, you know, maybe they win game five. I'm not writing that off just yet. But, um, you know, I would say enjoy this team, but know that probably most of these guys are not going to be on the next great version of the Magic down the road, four or five years, but a couple of them will be, and you'll always be able to sort of track the team's progress back to that, and like for me, it seems like Gordon and Isaac are those two guys. Isaac's so awesome, man. Like, that guy, if I had to, like, put in an early bet for most improved next season, Isaac might be the guy I put my money on, because he looks just so, so Siakami, really. Like, he's very, very much like Pascal. It's like the Spider-Man meme pointing in the mirror like they, they're really really similar players and I like what Isaac's got and those two might be the guys that you know four or five years from now you're looking at is like oh yeah this whole era started with those two guys that season and we saw what they could do in the playoffs and it wasn't always the best results and you know Isaac had a game in game that game four where he only played 16 minutes and went over four and that was disappointing but I think those two guys are really really encouraging and then 
it'll just be a matter of building the team around them going forward. And I think, you know, with Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, like the dudes there in charge are smart enough to be able to do that. So I, I would just say, yeah, enjoy it. Don't expect this to be the team when you eventually become a contender down the road, if that happens. Um, but, you know, you'll never, ever forget what this team did, I guess would be the, my, my sappy, sentimental uh, thing to say to Magic fans from this from this series because they, they have been awesome and they've been a lot more dangerous and difficult to pick apart than I would have expected. And I, I'll eat some crow on that. I was pretty confident coming in. I think they picked the Raptors in a sweep pretty easily and it has been anything but easy because this, this Magic team is really well coached and has a lot of very interesting talent that just doesn't quite come together and could really, really, really use uh, a go-to ball handler. And that, that I think that's probably the next step in, in the Magic's progression and hopefully Mark Fultz can be that next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's that's right on. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, I, I think that this was always this was always going to be a difficult series. Um, you know, even even with how well the Magic played Toronto in the regular season, that's the regular season, and I think that this this group has gotten uh, a pretty harsh wake up call that that the playoffs are very 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 different. Um, and and I think we'll, you know, I think I think you're. I mean, I, I tell everyone, you know, you look back to the 2007 Magic who got swept by the Pistons in the first round. They were an eight seed. That was Dwight Howard's first trip to the playoffs. He looked overwhelmed in that series. Um, ben, you know, Ben Wallace and, and that Pistons team just completely housed him in, in that in that series. Um, and, and it was a, a good learning, a good lesson for him. And, and I think what's what's really important for the Magic is taking this experience and growing from it. You know, seeing if Jonathan Isaac can take that leap that that Siakam has made offensively, especially, uh, and then seeing it, what Aaron Gordon becomes over the summer. Because uh, you know, as, as well as I think Aaron Gordon has played. Um, I think he's learned that he, he thinks he's a pretty good defender, but you, if you're going to defend the top guys in the playoffs, uh, you know you got to be a, a much better defender because um, Kawhi Leonard's beaten, I think, some pretty good defense on from on from Aaron Gordon on him, and then offensively mm-hmm. he's he's got to be uh, got to be a lot more uh, aggressive and, and find his find his spots better too. But yeah, it's it, this team has weaknesses. We we all kind of kind of knew it did, and 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 it's it's you know the Raptors have exposed it like good teams do in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I think that's a pretty good place to leave it, though. Um, I, I hope uh, we get to talk again. I mean, I, I'm not sure how long the series is going to go. Maybe we do a talk again later this week if the series does yeah, wrap. for sure. Um, we can do a little series in review type. <laughs> yeah, post-mortem. The, 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 the days off between series kind of build up and between games build up, and we got to fill the content somehow. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk again later this week, Phil. Um, do you have anything that people should know about? Uh, anything that should be plugged? Uh, other, other than just continuing to check out Locked On Magic um, for for all the latest on the Magic, and and uh, uh, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well for for all my analysis of the playoff series. I kind of gave my ode to the fans and and kind of shared the, the disappointment from everyone that they couldn't get a home win. But uh, you know, gotta gotta have something to fight for next year, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, rate, review Locked On Raptors and Locked On Magic on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya as well, which is a new podcast app we have a partnership with at the Locked On Podcast Network. Great for personalizing your own podcast playlists. Um, so make sure you're checking that out if you're in the market for a new podcast app. And uh, I'll be at game five on Tuesday. I'll probably have something written for Thursday morning, I'm guessing, depending on what happens in the game. But um, stay tuned for that as well. 
And uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time with another Locked On podcast, Raptors Magic crossover. I don't know how to name these things at the <laughs> end. It's hard to sign up, but <laughs> you get the deal. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.